Well, good morning. I want to say thank you to Daniel and the team for, for leading us this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, uh, we will uh, be finishing up uh, the part with uh, Peter's dream and Cornelius' dream, and then next week we'll get to where Peter finally gets to, to share what Cornelius was asking him to come share, which what we see is Cornelius is excited. He don't know what he needs to know. He just, needs, he just knows he needs to hear what Peter has to say. Uh, so it's pretty cool to see uh, the, just as the story unfolds in uh, Acts chapter 10. Before, uh, we, uh, before we read that, I do want to read a passage out of Matthew chapter 16. One of, the, one of my favorite things so far going through the book of Acts is being able to uh, really uh, interpret Acts, if you are look at Acts, the lens in which we're looking through is going back to the Gospels and seeing Jesus uh, prepare his disciples for what they were walking through, right? Uh, and so you remember like when Peter found himself in front of the Sanhedrin or the, and uh, he, you know, what was he going to say? We were reminded that Jesus had told them, hey, don't worry about what to say when, you're, when you find yourself there because it won't be you speaking, but the Holy Spirit speaking through you. And so there are things that we can really, lenses in which we can look through the book of Acts by remembering the teachings through the gospel. And that's kind of what I want to do this morning. I know Luke started us last week with the, the two different visions uh, of of Cornelius and, and Peter, and we left there where, where Peter's having a hard time with it. But in Matthew chapter 16, and so this is the, why I want to read this passage, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, is thinking through why is God going through so much, why, why does Peter have to be the one who gets the gospel to the Gentiles? Everybody with me? All right, why, why, is, why is God making all this happen uh, so that Peter could get on board? Right, I don't know if you're, but in Matthew chapter 16, it's whenever Jesus is asking his disciples, uh, who does everybody say that I am? And they give him an answer. And then he asks his disciples, well, who do you say that I am? And I'll pick up there in Matthew 16, uh, beginning in verse 16 there, it says, and or sorry, 15, and he said, he said to them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Verse 18 says, I tell you, uh, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And here's kind of the verse that I wanted to launch off of. Verse 19 says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So now when we get to the book of Acts, this is important for us to see. Here, and we see it in Matthew, <coughs> sorry, that Jesus says, Peter, I'm giving you these keys, uh, and where, whatever you open in earth will be open." In heaven. And so what we're seeing in the book of Acts so far is when the Spirit comes at the day of Pentecost, <coughs> Sorry, something is in my throat. <clears> throat> it happens sometimes. <clears throat> what we see in Acts 2 and the Holy Spirit comes is that Peter is the one who stands up and preaches. And what happens? People get saved. It is as if there's the key that Peter has. He opens the door. Remember whenever the gospel gets to the Samaritans and they hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet, they believe but they haven't received the Holy Spirit. Who goes down to Samaria? It's Peter, and when Peter comes, the Holy Spirit comes onto the Samaritans, and therefore, another door is opened, if you will. 
So what we see now with the gospel going to the Gentiles with Cornelius is it's Peter who, again, is what? Is going through, God's going to use him to open that door. He was like, <clears throat> goodness gracious. Are we good? Maybe. May have to take a time out and I may have to go out back. Anyway, Luke, can you come preach this? <clears throat> so what we see here is that really Matthew 16 being lived out to where Peter is the one that God is using to open these different doors for the kingdom to continue to spread. We see with the Jews, we see with the Samaritans, and now we're going to see it with the Gentiles. Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 17. Scripture says this, Now while Peter was in a release, so he had saw the vision three times, uh, verse 16 tells us, he was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. And behold, the men who were uh, sent by Cornelius, having made an inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by the holy angel, by a holy angel, to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he arose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Just pause for a moment. Remember, Cornelius doesn't even know what he needs to hear yet. And the dudes are so excited. He's got everybody there. He's called for Peter to come tell whatever Peter has to say. So that, 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 my mind's just like, man, the dude is jacked about whatever it is he needs to know. Uh, verse 25, and when Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up and saying, stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered and said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call my, any person common or unclean. You see it, the lights, the lights came on for Peter there from the, from the vision. Verse 29, so I was sent, I, when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why have you sent me here? Like, why have you sent for me? So Peter still doesn't know. He knows the vision, but he don't even know why he's there. It's really, really, really comical to me. Verse 30, and Cornelius said, for four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we're all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have commanded by, you've been commanded by the Lord. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for your word, your sufficient word that we can, that we can just go to each week and every day and, and, and learn and grow closer and, and more knowledge of you. God, we pray now that as we do turn our attention here, God, you'll give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to believe. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
This morning, I want to go ahead and give you uh, really three main truths. This isn't the sermon outline, but when you read this text, really three things that I hope that we kind of cover that you see. First of all, and I think I'm them all on the screen at the same time, is that we're to never underestimate the sovereign providential work of God in salvation. Uh, what we see in this text is that God is perfectly orchestrating two people who have never seen each other, met each other, so that Cornelius can hear the gospel ultimately. And I think sometimes in our life, uh, we, we think about situations or certain people in our life where we underestimate actually how good and sovereign God is and how he providentially works to bring people to the salvation. And I think even we can grow discouraged for people in our own circles who maybe, maybe we've lost hope for them. Maybe, maybe we never underestimate the sovereign providential work of God in salvation. The second thing is that God does not leave our salvation up to chance. It isn't something that maybe, hopefully, it's going to happen. God does not leave salvation up to chance. The third thing is, and we'll kind of wrap up with this, is we learn in this text how to display love for all people. Even with Peter and his uncertainty and things, we'll, we'll actually see how we can display this love for all people. But anyway, if you're taking notes, number one, uh, what we see first is that Peter is obedient even in uncertainty. Right in verse 17, it says that now, now while Peter was inwardly perplexed, could like imagine that for a moment. You're, you're hungry, you fall into a trance, you see this sheet fall, and it's got clean and unclean animals, and then the voice tells you to, to take and eat. Like, could, could you, like, I think sometimes we give Peter a bad rep, uh, but I mean, I'd be perplexed. First of all, just the vision itself. And I was hungry, so I was probably cranky or anything. And so things are just crazy. And so this happens, and it says he's inwardly perplexed. And so I kind of want to give. Peter, the little bit of benefit of the doubt this morning, right? So I think sometimes we go, Peter, just get it. Like, just imagine being Peter now. For your whole life, <coughs> you've been taught certain things. You've been taught certain things about food. And now in a moment, you see this vision that tells you that none of these things, it's not that, it's not that way anymore. So everything he had ever been taught, everything he had been believed has now been changed. <coughs> Sorry, I thought I was good. <clears throat> You too, Rhett? <clears throat> he, saw that and, and he saw something that he had always been taught had now been changed. This, this unclean and clean, it was something that, and I think for, for some of us or for a lot of us, we need to rethink about kind of the, the hostility between the Jew and the Gentile. Uh, and the depths of what's going on right here, I think we kind of lose sight of that. And some of us, we may not even be aware. Let me tell you how much Jews had disdain for Gentiles. If a Jew were to go into a Gentile land, before they entered back into uh, Jerusalem, they would literally have to wipe the dust off their feet because they didn't want Gentile dust to come to Jerusalem. And that's how much they, they had disdain for them. Uh, if, if, like... <clears throat> Any food that was prepared by uh, a Gentile couldn't be eaten by, by a Jew. Uh, any utensil, whether it had to be burned with fire for, for, for purification or just wasn't used, like they literally had disdain for them. And, and ultimately, it was something that started in the Old Testament uh, when God, you know, we have laws that we see the Ten Commandments, but then there are other laws that God had placed inside the children of Israel, and it was more about a distinction. Like They, they wouldn't eat certain things because so, they would be distinguished from other people. They would be separated from the rest of the world. And what, <clears throat> what started as <clears throat> really a purity distinction really became over time a human discrimination. 
The Jews began to hate them and even think less of them. And so what we're seeing here in Acts chapter 10 is phenomenal. Actually, what we saw at the, at the end of chapter 9, the fact that Peter was hanging out with a tanner, or a, a tanner oh, was, was pretty crazy because that would be somebody who was ceremonial and clean by the law. So we see that God was already working in Peter, but now here's this vision that's telling him all not only laws, but all of tradition of Jews, Jewish tradition has told him everything's opposite. And in a moment, God's telling you things are changing. I'd be perplexed too. Right? It'd be like, imagine you lived your whole life thinking something, and all of a sudden, God opens up to heaven and says, it's not that way anymore. Right? So that's where, that's where Peter was. Uh, these, these barriers that between the Jew and the Gentile, uh, there, it, was, it was color, class, creed. It was, it was things they believed. And actually, I think it ex- nothing exemplifies more than in Jonah. Remember Jonah when he didn't want to go to Nineveh, right? Then in chapter 3, verse 10, it says, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. (laughs) And check out how chapter 4 begins. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. That's how much the Jews had disdain for Gentiles. So much so that when God kindled his wrath on Nineveh, Jonah Jonah said, won't you just kill me now, God? Right, like that's, that's the depth of what's going on here. It's not just like us walking across the road to our neighbor who we never spoke before. It was somebody who, for, for since the beginning, more as time went on, the hostility grew even more. And the Gentiles didn't love the Jews either. It was, it was vice. I mean, it, it was both ways. <clears throat> but we've already began to see these barriers begin to break in the book of Acts, right? Little by little, Luke is kind of bringing us along. We see it. The gospel go from Jerusalem Jews to Hellenist Jews to, to Samaritans. We see with the Ethiopian eunuch, who was a, like a little bit of a hole in, the, in the, the, the dam, if you will, but that dude, what did he do? He went back to Ethiopia, didn't have to associate with the church, right, in Jerusalem. He, did, he, he went back there, and, he, and so uh, he, it was a little bit of a break, but it's, it's not all the way there. But what we begin to see here in the Cornelius is that God will break that wall down. <clears throat> So that's one thing he was perplexed. Then you have to think is, he's probably thinking, is, is he just talking about food? Can I just eat whatever I want to now? Or is, this, is there a bigger image? Is there something else that God's trying to teach me? And if so, how, how does that relate to people who my whole life I've, I've had disdain for? So you could imagine why Peter was perplexed the way that he was. All right, everybody with me? So it says he was inwardly perplexed as he was literally going through all of that in his head. What we see is that Peter was undergoing change, as Luke talked about last week. God had already been working on him, but he still hasn't got it yet. Man, God showed me this this week, and I've actually been able to share it multiple times, uh, and I think it's going to come up on the screen. When God called you, he already factored in how dumb you'd be. And that was encouraging to me this week. Right, and uh, and that's what we see with Peter. And now, you know, we're giving the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, he sat with Christ. Christ had talked about these things before, and he still hadn't got it. And I'm thankful in Peter's life. Listen to me. And I don't know if you called it, but like Peter goes with him, and after even uh, even after Cornelius tells him why you know why he's there, Peter's like. What am I doing here? Like, I'm here, so what am I supposed to do? So we see just how he doesn't, he's not the smart, he, he's smart, and once at the same time, he's, he's not, right? And so anyway, when God called you, he already factored in how dumb we'd be. 
But what we see in this text is really two things that, that God showed me this. We see that God is removing a prejudice, right? So the gospel, so the Jews would share the gospel with the Gentiles. But something else is going on with that food thing. Because as the church was to go forward, there, the food idea of clean and unclean could have prevented the Jews from reaching the Gentiles. Because the Gentiles would have had that food in their home. And if it's something that's unclean, then as a Jew, I'm not going into that house to share the gospel with them. So really two things are going on. Not only, listen to me, not only is God making the way for the Gentiles to hear the gospel and be saved, but watch this, but to also be included into the family. That he's removing any kind of obstacle that would keep them as like a second hand or second tier Christianity. But by, by removing this, you know, making all foods clean, if you will, what he's doing is there's nothing that could keep the Jew and the Gentile from sitting around the table together. To being in the same assembly and the same. And so listen to me, chapter 10 is blowing up. I heard at that time. Where's it at? You got me a mic. Man, everything's going wrong. Something, something must be good supposed to happen. <clears throat> and while Peter was pondering, look at this in verse, uh, in verse 17, it says, so he was interviewed perplexed, but the men who had been sent that way by the house were, they were descending at the gate and they called out and asked whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. Verse 19, and while Peter was pondering the vision the Spirit said to him, Behold, there are men looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. While Peter was pondering these things, when all of his life was... Is this one going to work? Hey, there we go. Can you... Hello. Okay. <clears throat> Can you give me some of that cool, like effects on my voice that make me sound like Barry White or something up here, or get, <clears throat> get rid of that, whatever's going on in my throat. <clears throat> anyway, while, while Peter was pondering this, while literally everything that he had learned of his whole life was being turned upside down, while he still didn't have everything figured out, God spoke to him. Even while he didn't have all his P's and Q's, you know, figured out, he didn't have his whole life planned out, if you will. He didn't have a complete understanding of the vision yet. God spoke to him and said, hey, listen to me. There are some guys coming that I sent to go to them. And so Peter got up. He, he, I guess he went down because he was up on the roof. He went down to meet these people. And check out, he says, meet them with no hesitation. Man, I love this. In, in the original, it literally means meet them making no distinction. So these Gentiles are going to come up to the door. When you meet them, do not meet them with any distinction and welcome them in. Right? So he just had this vision of unclean and clean foods. Nothing, don't call common what I've called clean. Now that I'm sending some guys, and when you see them, don't make a distinction immediately that they're Gentile or that they're cut off. Everybody with me? So that's what, how it's unfolding here for Peter. God was about to make the vision clear by sending the men to Peter. And I wrote this down. You don't always have to see the whole picture to be obedient to God. Right? Peter didn't understand. Peter, what if Peter would have stayed up there on that roof and just like scratching my head and go, God, I'm not moving until you make everything crystal clear to me. Now, what did he do? Even in his uncertainty, God called him to do something. And as he was being obedient, God revealed, hey, this is who it is. 
This is what the vision, this is what I'm, and so a lot of times in our life, whenever we're praying over something or, or God's called us to something, and even in our dumbness, if you will, we try to sit back and wait because I've got to have everything figured out. I've got to be able to understand every, every part of salvation and every part of eschatology, this, that, and the other, and oftentimes God will, he will make clear the picture as we're walking in obedience. Because what Peter didn't know as he was inwardly perplexed, thinking about everything, that there was literally three, there was men waiting at the door that was going to answer what, what he was perplexed about. And what we see here is never underestimate the sovereign providential work of God. Because he's perfectly working at the same exact time with a guy named Cornelius and a guy named Peter who have never met one another for a meeting that's going to happen so that Cornelius can hear the gospel. So verse 21, Peter went down to the man and said, I'm the one you were looking for. What is the reason for your coming? <clears throat> Check this. And so this will be the second time we read in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius' story, it says, And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright, God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. In verse 23, it's a beautiful, so he invited them in to be his guest. Man, what a whirlwind for Peter, right? It's crazy what God is doing in this man's life and his heart where his whole life, this would have been like, no, so, and that's not gonna happen. And just in a couple of verses, not only did he welcome them, making no distinction, he welcomed them into the house. Now, it wasn't his house, so it was Simon the Tanner's, but he welcomed them into the house. And Luke says to be his guest. We see God continuing to work in Peter's heart and his mind. Number two that we see in this text is that not only does Peter Remain obedient, even in a certain number two, he understands the vision finally. Check out verse 23, the end of verse 23b. It says, the next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he called together his relatives and close friends. Pause for a moment. I know I've already said this a little bit, but what we're seeing is Cornelius is evangelizing a message that he hadn't even heard yet. He's so, like, I was talking to Luke about it this morning, how to say that. The reality is that he would, because he remembers the angel and the call that the angel played on his life to go get this guy named Peter. And he knew he needed to hear it so much that even though he hadn't heard it, he was already getting his, his friends and family over to come hear this message that he doesn't even know. He's so passionate about this message that he's going to get at some point. And I began to think, he's like, man, how could he have so much passion about a message he didn't know, hadn't heard yet, and yet... When it comes to us who have actually heard the gospel and know it, have zero zeal to share it. Anyway, I'm going to keep moving. Like, and I love this. In verse 25, it says, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I'm to a man. Peter reminds Cornelius that he is a man just like him. He's not to be worshiped. We see the humility with Peter, first of all, we show, showed his hospitality and bringing them as guests. Now we see his humility. And finally, in verse 28, we see that Peter gets it. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit another from, a, from another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. He got it. Light bulb. 
the, the, the sheep that came down, he now gets it. This, this, this word he uses for unlawful isn't directly speaking to like the law of God. He's literally talking about like taboo tradition. Our tradition has passed down. Obviously, it was started with God, but even just this tradition that we've added to things, it, it, I shouldn't be in the same room as you Gentiles is what he is saying. But he says, God has shown me. It wasn't a revelation that Peter came up on his own. It's something that really made him inwardly perplexed. But God showed Peter not to call anything common that God has already called clean. Why? Because remember in Matthew 16, Jesus says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And so the gospel, yes, it got to the Gentiles. We understand that Paul was a missionary to the Gentiles, but it was Peter who first unlocked the door, if you will, for the gospel to get to the Gentiles. And here it is, verse 29. And then remember, when God called you, you factored in how dumb you'd be, verse 29. And so Peter's like, so I was sent for, and I came without objection. And I asked him, why have you sent me? Like, <laughs> like it's on the T. Like, everything's happened. You would think, oh, I'm here to preach the gospel. And he goes, all right, I'm here, but what do you want of me? Uh, I don't understand what you need. Uh, so it's just a beautiful picture. So really, there's two truths that I wrote down on a separate slide that really this little text shows this first is that it's inappropriate to worship a man, a man as divine. Right, that's what we see. Peter said, dude, I'm just, a, I'm a dude. Stand up. Don't worship me. Don't bow down to me. It's inappropriate. It, it is totally crazy for us to think that we should worship any man as divine. You may say, I don't do that. Oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> uh, how about Tom Brady? I bet he's somebody's God, right? What we, have, what we do is we, we spend our lives in maybe not physically bowing down, but we bow down to the man as divine all the time. The second thing it teaches is that it's inappropriate to reject any man as unclean. So we see just in that text, number three, the third thing that we see, the third point, is that Cornelius explains his vision to Peter. So Peter says, why am I here? I'm here, why do you want me? And Cornelius, again, the third time, that we'll see Cornelius' story shared in verse 30. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tenor by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come to me and check out Cornelius. He says, now therefore, we're all in the presence of God to hear that you, have, to hear <clears throat> that you have been commanded by the Lord. Man, what, like, that's, like, he had, Peter had the, like, the dream audience. They showed up, we're nowhere in the presence of God, just give us what you got. We're ready to hear the word. We're ready to hear it. Uh, it's every preacher's prayer. So in this text right here, it's the third time Cornelius' vision had been explained. And I believe that when we see repetition in Scripture, it's because it's trying to show us something. And what we're trying to see is that God leaves nothing to chance in salvation. In Cornelius, there was nothing that was being left to chance. So listen to me. In your salvation, God left nothing to chance. If you know Jesus, it's because God had ordained at that moment for you to believe in Christ. It wasn't left a chance. Listen to me, if you've heard, if you grew up in a, in a Christian home where you heard the gospel, that wasn't just by chance. It was by God's ordaining. ordaining. If you, maybe you didn't grow up in church and somehow you were exposed to the gospel because it wasn't just by chance that you heard the gospel because God had orchestrated for you to hear that gospel message. 
He leaves nothing to chance. Maybe he doesn't act like Peter and Cornelius is in, in the dream here. And, and, but what the reality is God is orchestrating for us all to hear the gospel message. I wrote this down. When the spirit is moving, there will be a hunger for the word of God. You have these guys who, and I guess gals too, who were there and the spirit was obviously moving because <clears throat> the angel had called Cornelius at this point and what they were there. So we're in the presence of God. Now give us all that God has told you, all that God has commanded. There was, when the spirit was moving and drawing, A, they were ready to believe. They didn't have to be coerced. We'll see that next week. They didn't have to be, there didn't have to be a third or fourth uh, uh, invitation given. The songs didn't have to be keep saying, song. They didn't have to meet some emotional high or low to really draw people in. No, they were so ready because the Spirit was working. When Peter preached what we'll see is that they believed. But there was a hunger to hear the things of God. What's the application this morning from this text? I hope I made them as we went, but here's some practical application uh, as John Ryan comes up and begins to play for us. And man, you go ahead, go ahead and come up to This is going to be quick. <clears throat> three, th- three ways, I wrote it down like this, three ways to display the love, love of God for all people. Three ways to display love for all people in this text. First of all, is that we show no hesitation in befriending someone. Right, so when, when Peter was called, whenever he was inwardly perplexed, he didn't know what was going on. The, the spirit spoke and said, listen to me, go downstairs, there are three men there, and what did the spirit tell him? Make no distinction." And so Peter befriended them, even though he was still dealing with, are they clean or unclean? Are they, are they struggling or not? Or, or anything like that. Whenever he hasn't quite, what did he do? He brought them in as guests. We show, uh, <clears throat> we show no hesitation in befriending someone. Number two is that we show hospitality by opening our lives and our homes. What do we see Peter do to show the love of God to these Gentiles? Not only did he show no hesitation in befriending them, he didn't look at them and go, nah, they can't be my friend. He didn't look at them and say, this can't happen. What did he do? He, 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 he befriended them. I am Simon that you're looking for. The second is he showed hospitality by inviting them into the home. That's very practical for me and you. How do we show the love of God to people? We open up our lives and our homes. Right? We, we invite people to come and dine. And we can't say the food is what separates us because here God says, it's all, it's, don't call it unclean anymore. What's keeping us from opening our lives and our homes for the sake of showing the love of God to people? We see that happen in this text. The third thing is that we show humility before all people by living with the understanding we're all made in the image of God. We don't call anyone or treat anyone as unclean any longer. I don't know how God's speaking to you this morning. I don't know if maybe for you, you think by chance you showed up this morning. You came this morning in the bitter cold. You have more jewels in your crown in heaven because of that now. For you who stayed at home because it was cold, you lost one. <clears throat> but maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I, I don't know why I'm here. I just, by chance, I woke up this morning and, and braved the cold. Maybe you say, I don't, you know, I don't trust him. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know Jesus as Savior. I haven't believed in him. I haven't trusted in him. But maybe you say, yeah, I just decided to come. Listen to me. 
it wasn't by chance that you were here today. God doesn't leave your salvation up to chance. You hear this morning to hear a preacher in a sweatshirt with something stuck in his throat to tell you today God's calling you to believe in his son. That even this morning, with all the distractions and anything else that's going on, it wasn't, it's not by chance that you're sitting under the sound of my voice this morning that God is drawing you to believe in his son. Will you do that this morning? Maybe you're in your life and you're dealing with something. Maybe God's calling you to go share the gospel. Maybe God's calling you to go pray with someone or do something. I want to encourage you. He's already factored in how dumb you'd be until you get there. Be obedient one step at a time and he will make clear the picture as you're obedient. As you keep walking, God will make things make more sense. And sometimes they don't always make sense, but we have faith anyway. God doesn't call me to understand everything. He calls me to trust and obey him. And that's what we see with Peter, even in his hard-headedness. He's going, all right, I don't understand this, but I'm going to go. And what do we see immediately? What he didn't see is that the providential hand of God was already orchestrating something else. So if God's called you to, to step up and be the spiritual leader in your home, do it. If God's called you to, to begin to share scripture or Bible studies at your workplace, do it. If God's called you to call a friend or a family member who you haven't talked to for some time, call them. It doesn't have to make sense. You don't have to see how the response is going to be. All you need to know is that God's calling you to do that now. If God's calling you to telling you, hey, you need to go apologize or ask for forgiveness from this person, do it. You with me? Like, whatever he's calling you to do, we see in this passage, just do it. It doesn't have to make sense. You don't have to understand all the things. For you, it could just be right now a sheet that has a bunch of animals on it. But as you walk in obedience, God has said, listen to me, it's not about the animals, it's about the people. It'll make sense as you walk, so just do it. Whatever God's called, I, I, don't, I can't read your heart. We had this conversation this morning. I can't, I can't read your heart, but I know if you're a child of God, sitting under the word of God, moved by the spirit of God, he's calling you. Yeah. Do it. Be obedient to it. Trust and obey because there's no other way, all right? Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your gospel, your word is sufficient and powerful. God, I pray if there's anyone in here this morning who has yet to trust in you, they, they think their life is just a series of chances. God, may you reveal to them it's not by chance that they're at this place this morning. May they trust in you this very day. God, for the believer in here who's, who's dealing, who's feeling your call to, to do or to be, yet 
their own self-awareness or insecurities keep them from being obedient. God, I pray that today you would give them the faith to be obedient even in uncertainty without seeing the clear picture. God, we thank you that you meet us where we are. God, I truly believe that we can look at the pages of the scriptures and see how you are sovereignly, providentially working in the lives of every man and woman. May we not forget that or underestimate that the people that are in our sphere of influence every day are people that you are working and orchestrating their days and their lives. So may we show no partiality. May we show no distinction in befriending someone. May we show hospitality by opening up our lives and our homes. And may we show humility in seeing we're all created in your image. And may we be like Peter next week, as we see next week, he loved them through sharing the good news. So God, be with us during this time. May we respond in a way that even now that you're calling us. It's in Christ's name. I'm going to ask you to stand. If you need to pray, whatever you need to do, uh, Luke and I will be standing on the back, in the back. Uh, if you need to trust in Jesus, just walk back there and say, I need to trust in Jesus this morning. If you need to pray, we're here. Uh, if you feel like, if you're a lady and don't feel comfortable talking or praying with a man, we can connect you with another lady. But you do, you move as God calls and leads.